LinkedIn is not indeed with Corey Disson. Hello, my name is LJ Haywood. Welcome to Build It Bootcamp, a podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs who are frustrated with their W-2 jobs. You can join me and learn how to build and scale your own business. Now, during each episode, I will introduce a topic that relates to business or entrepreneurship and whether or not it's myself or more than often a very special guest. Today we have Corey. <laughs> the information will be valuable in building and scaling your own business. We will get started right after this. All right. So LinkedIn is not indeed with Corey Disson. How are you doing today, Corey? What is up, LJ, my man? How you doing, man? I'm, I'm loving good. your new setup, man. I'm loving it. I saw the photos you posted on Facebook. Those were dope. But let me make sure I give you a quality introduction. Today, I'm joined by Corey. This is the undisputed heavyweight champion of content. Uh, this guy is rocking and rolling on LinkedIn. Uh, he and I met through Clubhouse where he was doing some information, sharing a lot of re really good content, uh, helping people in the voice acting and uh, community, right? And I was in... And uh, <laughs> and then I found out that that wasn't the case. So uh, Corey is somebody that I, I wanted to connect with because of that, because I wanted to get better, you know, uh, honing my skills, honing my craft. And this is a person that has just been incredible, uh, somebody I really look up to. I really respect what he's up to. And so today we're going to be talking about LinkedIn. But by the way, if you get any value out of this podcast, I encourage you to share it with three people. I'm launching a new workshop. So go to workshop.ljhaywood.com. Uh, we're talking about how to turn your podcast into profits. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, just go to the website, uh, workshop.ljhaywood.com. And again, share this podcast with three of your best and close friends that are entrepreneurial minded. So, Corey, now that I got all that out of the way, uh, yes, sir. Welcome to the show. thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know that you could be doing anything on a Friday uh, afternoon, but here you are with me uh, promoting your business, which, to be honest, uh, I would be doing the same thing if I were in your shoes, because I, I think that from from when we talk about content and putting things out there, if you're a serious business owner, this stuff should take at least some sort of a high priority. Would you agree? Uh, there are no days off in the entrepreneurial world. You mm -hmm. got to be doing something. Yeah, you can have time off, but no days off. I mean, uh, I drove cross country recently last week from Virginia right. to California, 2,500 miles. And, uh, as I pulled my RV into the gas station and took the dog for a walk, I had my phone on mm -hmm. I was checking my messages, even posting content as we, as we went. And, you know, I just take the attitude that nobody's going to meet me halfway. Right. And uh, it's up to me. It's incumbent upon me to take action every day to stay top of mind. As you said that, it reminded me of one of my mentors. He would say, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I think that in business, you got to take personal accountability. You can't be sitting there blaming other people while you're in the situation that you're in. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I, I come from a background where I, I've seen struggle. But if I had that mindset of being a victim and waiting for people to give me the handout, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And, and, and that's just how I operate. Um, my sisters and, uh, and I uh, really did come from, you know, we were in foster care, uh, our parents, you know, in, 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 the, in the inner city. And our grandmother took us in. Matter of fact, it's so funny, right? I was just talking to my granny. I just figured out a way to get her on the podcast. 
So I'm going to be doing an episode <laughs> with my grandmother. Uh, she's Perfect. the one that gave me that. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's the one that gave me the entrepreneurial bug because when I was a kid. She was the Avon lady, right? So like I come home from school and I had to go out there and give Miss Johnson, uh, you know, her products, you know, her skincare products or whatever. Your lipstick, right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But Miss Haywood, <laughs> man, my, my granny was a hustler, right? She was doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, she was substitute teaching. She was a tutor. She just always had some sort of a way of making it happen because she had two, three, three grandkids she had to feed, right? So I don't take any, um, I don't hold any punches with people when I'm talking to them about business because it's like, even if you can't, uh, if you don't have the skill down, like you could figure something out to make a make that you know that make that extra money or make that extra hustle or something that's going to promote your brand. Totally. Um, and that's the reason why I wanted to bring you on here because one of the things you said in the, the title of this podcast is LinkedIn is not Indeed. When I met you, you were talking about LinkedIn, and I was like, I was one of those people that thought, well, link. I, I'm an entrepreneur. Why the hell would I be on LinkedIn? I'm not looking for a, a job at this time. And I see you shaking your head. So could you speak to that? That because sure. I'm sure that's not common. I'm sure that's a very common way of thinking. Well, indeed, LinkedIn is not indeed. Number one. Uh, that is very much circa 10 years ago. That's what LinkedIn was 10 years ago. It was a job, uh, not necessarily posting site, but it was a resume site. And um, there are still a lot of um professionals and entrepreneurs out there that are stuck. That's the perception of what the site is. And it's so not. It, it really is. I don't want to say it's like Facebook or like Instagram or like Twitter, but it has components of all of those. Um, but it is a forum. It is a, a networking portal. Um, it is an opportunity to meet professionals, people you've never met with before. It is an opportunity to engage with them. It is an opportunity. You know, I look at LinkedIn, even though it is a computer program, you know, it has an algorithm, but I look at it very much like, you know, back in the day, if you would go to an industry conference or trade show, you would go to the fancy hotel ballroom uh, or the VFW hall, whatever it was, and you would go to the front desk, you would put the sticker on your chest, hello, my name is Corey, and you would enter the room and there's the round tables with the tablecloths. And if you can envision, maybe there's some people at the bar, or the punch bowl, maybe there's a band or a DJ and maybe some exhibit space and people handing out brochures. That, my friends, is what LinkedIn is. That is LinkedIn. It's just in a virtual sense. Everything you would do in that room you would do on LinkedIn. It's learning how to bridge that gap and speak that language. That is the difference maker. And when you understand it and you put it in that context, you know, I built an entire consulting business on the back of LinkedIn. I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, and I, and I, and I drink That's the Kool-Aid. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah. You shouldn't be ashamed to say that. That's freaking incredible. You know, and I, I look, I have a presence on Clubhouse. I have a presence on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, I got all that stuff, but it uh, it all started with LinkedIn. Um, I love that. And I cultivated that organically. I didn't do, there's no third party uh, software or hacks or anything automated. It's me. When you send a message to me, it's me. I answer it. You know, I engage, I comment with you. I message you. I share the content. I'd have nothing automated on there. And that for me, it's proven very effective. You know, I, I want to speak to that as well. 
And then after that, I want to kind of get your, your background, you know, like maybe a little bit about, about your background, you know, what was sure. little Corey like back in the day? But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I do the same thing on Instagram, right? Um, for example, in Clubhouse, one of the hacks that I've done, not hacks, but it's just how I always have I've operated. I've treated these places ex exactly what you're talking about, because before uh, COVID, the way I was building my business because I, you know, I work in financial services, life insurance, annuities, that kind of an industry, right? You, it's really built on building up that no like, and trust factor. I'm not totally. going to just go to an event and be like, hey, let me do a financial review. People do that, and I'm sure you can hit a lot of numbers with that. But the way I would do things is I would go to different trade shows. Um, a lot of guys in the industry would just go to different events that they would all go to. What I would end up going to, I would be at like a gardening event, or I would be at a real estate investors event. And these were all events that I was paying like hundreds of thousands, like, like hundreds of hundreds of dollars a, a month that I had in my budget yeah, to go to events because I knew I was going to meet these people. And that was the reason why with this podcast is just literally the exact same thing. I have people from all different industries on here because I've I've developed that, that, that mindset that in order for me to build my network and my net worth, I have to have people from all different walks of life, from all kind of backgrounds and connecting with these folks because that's just how it was offline. And I, the reason why I bring that up is because the analogy that you made with LinkedIn is the same kind of analogy that I've been making with everything that I do. Like if we were at a bar, how, and you don't know me, why would you give me your resume? You know what I'm saying? Like I see people or getting you. Why would you, pitch. why would you get pitched? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. No, nah, you would say, yo, did you catch the game? Or, hey, you want me to buy you a beer? Or, you know, you, you got to have, you got to, you know, back in the day, we say you got to be able to rap. You know, you got yeah, to be able to have a little small talk. You know, <laughs> you got to be able to BS a little bit. Yeah, well, in LA, we say, uh, it says, like, we, we, we were just chopping it up. Like, we were just connecting, yeah, chopping chop it up. Yeah. Chop it up and just see and see where things go. But you don't have to always, that's why, even on Clubhouse, and this is just my perspective, I avoid those pitch rooms like the plague. Any of the rooms that are teaching people how to pitch, I don't like that. Because for one thing, in my in my experience, that word has such a negative connotation to me. Like if somebody's oh, pitching sure. me, I'm not really interested in being pitched. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that words are very powerful. Like one of the things that I've gotten really, really uh, in tuned in is not calling my clients customers. I don't even call the guests on my podcast. I, I use the term because it's, it's kind of interchangeable now. But I call my guests clients. I treat them as clients, right? They're under my protection because here's the thing. If you come on my show and I make you look foolish or like an idiot, right? That's not right. That's not what I should be doing. I should be making my, my, my clients or my guests uh, look the best they can, right? And present their best foot forward. I've had situations where I've had people come on the show before it was re recorded live. Like right now, I'm a lot more in tuned with who I had these live shows with. But uh, there was a couple episodes that I did that will never get released because the person just really didn't show up on point, right? I'm not going to name any names, but that was no, like, no, no. all right, we can't put this out there because this is not going to make you look good. And they made it. They got to give online. good guests, right? You got to give good <laughs> guests. That's what yeah. I try to do. <laughs> yeah, you got to give great, great guests. And, um, but yeah, let's back up a little bit. So, sure. Um, I love to th this store, this podcast, the the structure of it behind the my my vision of it is to display the journey of the entrepreneur, right? And mm -hmm. in order for us to get to that point, uh, it's important to kind of get some backstory. You know, 
So tell me a little bit about your background. Like, where'd you grow up, Corey? So uh, I, I'm, I would like to think I'm a pretty ordinary guy that has done some extraordinary things. Um, and, and my background is kind of a hybrid, meaning my, my roots are Philadelphia. Okay. My folks are from Philly. My dad went to the same high school as Wilt Chamberlain. Um, you know, my mom's Northeast Philly gal. At a young age, though, I moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And basically grew up there, second grade till I graduated high school. Came back to Philly to go to college, went to Temple University. And that's where I got introduced to broadcasting. You know, I knew I wanted to be in the media. I wanted to be on the radio. I thought I was going to be the next, you know, Howard Stern or some big, you know, uh, disc jockey, whatever it was. That was what I really wanted to do. I was a big fan of local radio growing up. So I, I took courses. Um in college related to that. And that's where I met. There was a classmate there who I heard him making time with a young lady saying that he was uh, the board op at WYSP radio, which is the big classic rock station in, uh, in Philadelphia at that time in the hub, actually the Howard Stern show. Um, and as soon as I heard that, I said, boy, I, I gotta get it to know this guy. Cause I want to get involved in radio. Well, sure enough, he and I, we started to go shoot hoops or we go grab uh, lunch or something after class, got to know him. And I said, what can I do to get involved in that radio station? And he introduced me at age 19 years old to the program director of that station, a guy by the name of Tim Sabian. And you can look up who Tim is. Tim was the, the program director for Howard. He was Howard's programmer for 20 some odd years. He's a media mogul. He's an awesome guy. And here I am, a wet behind the ears kid with the hat on backwards, you name it. And I get a chance to get an interview with this guy. And I said, I'll do anything to work at the radio station. What can I do? It's market number four at that time, which is unheard of for a college kid to go work at market four in the USA, usually start some small podunk market. Anyway, he says, well, you come in on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. and you answer the phones and screen the calls for the public affairs programming that's mandated by the FCC. They give that to the lowest of the low of the low entry level people do. He offered me that position. He said, I'm going to pay you a grand total of zero dollars. I accepted the position. And what did that do? Well, I got the chance to be involved in the radio station every week. I got a chance to meet the chief engineer, the head of sales, the programming, the production people. And when it was time for me to get a real internship, because I was basically there on a volunteer basis, when it was time for me to get an internship through the college, I never filled out an application or, or got an interview. They just said, bring me the paper, we'll sign it, you're our intern. And everything just escalated from there. I met more people. I would get my internship jobs done in 30, 40 minutes if my shift was three, four hours. So I, was, I had a lot of time to explore and then one major event happened, which really snapped me into focus and uh, made me make a, a, a crucial decision. Remember, I wanted to be on the air. Two weeks into my internship, LJ, they fired the entire air staff at the radio station. So Damn. that was a wake-up call. Wow. That was a wake-up call to me because I'm a big fan of stability. I got a bad habit. I like to eat three meals a day. So I said, what's the next coolest thing in radio other than being on the air? And that was production, doing the commercials, the promos, the things in between the, the songs. 
And I met the production director, a guy by the name of Paul Turner. Well, that name probably doesn't mean much to you, but Paul uh, was at that time and up until the mid-2000s, the national voice for the Howard Stern Show. He was the deep voice announcer that said, you're listening to the Howard Stern Show. And he would make all the funny little jokes and things. That was him. And I got, I started just running errands for him. Literally, man, take getting his dry cleaning, picking up his lunch. The trade-off was, is I did all these little gopher things for him. And then when he left for the day, he basically handed me the keys to the studio. And he said, go teach yourself how to use the gear. So I would be there two, three in the morning. I would just stay there all night and practice and practice and figure out how to use. And this was before digital. This is all still using moving tape. Yeah, it's all analog and type shit, right? Oh, yeah, man. And uh, he and the cool thing is I would leave him a tape of what I did, and he would critique it. And he, we, that's how I learned how to do audio production. What type of tapes and would you be doing? Like when you were, when you're, like, if you don't mind me Everything asking. from uh, little – he would leave me voice tracks. I'd create a commercial, whether it was for a nightclub or a car dealership or the little promotional uh, announcements for the radio station. You know, this is 94. Point one, WYSP, Philadelphia, Rio, Rocket, all that kind of stuff. I would build those with the music and the sound effects and all those things. And it got to the point where he said, all right, you know enough. He, he slapped down a couple of pieces of paper on the desk there, and it had a bunch of script on there. So I'm going to pay you 250 bucks to produce up these announcements for one of my other clients. I thought I died and went to heaven, man. Are you kidding me? I'm going to make a couple hundred bucks, 19, 20 years old. That was a lot of money for me back then because I was hurting. Right. Yeah, I hear you. And I did that for a while. He would give me these little part-time a la carte things. And then he said, you know, I graduated uh, school and it turned into an hourly job to be his little admin guy. And it got to the point where he said, hey, man, in order for me to keep you on board, we got to bring on some new clients. You got to go sell. I didn't want to get involved in sales. I had that wasn't my thing. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be a producer. So I, I literally picked up a phone with a cord and started going through a phone book and dialing for dollars. And I wound up, you know, picking us up about a dozen new clients and we moved into our own studios because we used to be based at the radio station. We built a studio in the suburbs and, uh, you well, know, you fast guys, forward. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say fast forward uh, about 27 years that I stayed with that company. We were producing six, 700 commercials a month all over the world. And I had a nice, cushy six figure gig going on. Uh, and it was, it was a great story. I mean, uh, thank God I met him because that basically built my career and, and taught me how to obviously, you know, broadcasting, commercial production and working with voiceover people and actors and marketing, writing, all these things I got to, you know, learn by doing that I never learned in college. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So let, me, let me ask you a quick question. Mm -hmm. Do you think two quick questions? One, uh, when you guys are making those calls, when you're calling those companies, were you calling like local businesses? I mean, calling, I was calling all over the map. I, I would look in the industry trades. I would call other radio stations to try to get work from them. I called nightclubs all over the United States. I called car dealerships. It was just like, you know, there's that famous scene in uh, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith where he's figuring out ways to take time off of how fast he dials the phone when he's playing Chris Gardner. That was me just calling and call. I had legal pads with notes and 
lines crossed out if that wasn't a good lead and I just filled up one after the next and that was that's how I learned how to sell by getting shot down and saying talking out of school and things I shouldn't say it's how I learned just by doing it but, and my follow up um, my follow up to that would be and I'm happy you shared that because um <laughs> basically he was cuz I did a podcast I was doing a show about a year ago called Neighborhood of Mentors and the pro, and, and the and the concept of that was to it was two simple questions basically right who was it that mentored you when you were a child right somebody that really like inspired you when you maybe like you know when you're adolescent and then who was the person that really as far because we have i've had multiple mentors throughout my career in the military or my career as a civilian in aviation and there's tens of mentors but would you consider this person what was his name again paul turner paul turner uh that was it sounds like he was a really uh, impactful mentor for you. He was, he was, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here with you without him. Right. Very simple. No, no, no way. Cause he let me be me. He, he recognized that uh, I hustle and I work hard. Um, and you know, I was very regimented all, he recognized all those things that made me a good employee, but he let me be his employee and be entrepreneurial at the same time. Right. To grow the business. And, mm -hmm. you know, as we kept growing and then it, he actually sold the business in 2003. I stayed with it and kept it running up until 2020. Company's still going. I left it. But, um, you know, it was a great run. And I got a chance to meet a lot of people, was able to kind of create my rep, you know, because you know everything I built my business on was based upon my experience running a national production company. And interacting with, you know, everyone from your mom and pop car dealer to, uh, you know, these huge, you know, multimedia and entertainment behemoths. Like I could name drop all all afternoon. But the point is, is I, I got a chance to rub shoulders with a lot of big decision makers and uh, learn just kind of how the advertising, the broadcast advertising, the talent business works. Hey, real quick. I just had a comment from uh, Tisha on Clubhouse and I wanted to read this to you. Uh, she said that, uh, first of all, she wanted to thank you for doing this and doing the podcast with me. And I want yeah. to thank you as well. And, uh, she said his story is, 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 is mine, but for TV, uh, come, so we got Tisha on stage. Did you want to ask, or you want to make, have a quick comment for Corey? You are live on build it bootcamp podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to speak. My name is Tasha Ray. I am formerly a broadcast journalist for ABC News and most recently worked at the Pentagon uh, prior to the Trump administration. Um, so what I wanted to say about Corey is I just really loved your um, work ethic as far as how you got from point A to point B. Um, I oftentimes ask the same thing as far as how did I get to work? you know, during the Obama administration or how did I get to cover Credit Scott King's funeral and things of that nature. But in my situation, what happened was um, I made a career binder when I was in high school of all of the black broadcasters that I idolized. And what I did is I sent out a form letter asking if they would allow me to be their um shadow. And that's what led me to doing internships the entire time of my high school um, matriculation. That's powerful. And then, 
And then when I went to college, I continued on. And so um, when I graduated, just like how Corey stated, I had a plethora of information to put for my uh, portfolio. So whereas other people were buying for opportunities and for jobs, I had offers because my job ethic had already been established. So being that it is the year of the quote unquote pivot because of, um, you know, COVID, I decided that I was not going to sign my contract with ABC News. Um, they give me one every 18 to 24 months, but I decided that um, being a mother and being a hands-on mother was more important than continuing to um, make a ridiculous amount of money um, because actually um, happiness to me was financial security, being that my parents are immigrants, my father anyway, um, from Trinidad. So he instilled in me the importance of education and the importance of having a healthy work ethic. Anyway, I just wanted to share that I too was a gopher and I was a personal assistant and I was this thing called a one man band, which meant that I shot, wrote and edited all of my um, stories and I did the same thing I had three mentors who would look over my uh, resume tapes and they would critique me so that, like I said, I was at a different level when I graduated with my degree. So when I graduated at 19, um, I got my first job at Fox 5 Atlanta at 19. And since I've been working ever since um, on the news. So um, I hope that wasn't too long of a share, but I just wanted to say that your story resonates with me, Corey. I appreciate the opportunity to share LJ and I hope everyone is having a happy and a blessed Friday. I'm Real quick. Before you go, no, you can't get off the hook that fast. Before you go, uh, give a shout out to your podcast uh, one last time before we before we move on. Okay, so my podcast is called Womanhood Decoded, where each episode I am exploring the intersections of womanhood, sexuality, and motherhood, um, and what balancing all that looks like. The reason is because real quick, my real mother- quick before we go into all that, I gotta catch you up. <laughs> we got Corey on the line, so I wanted to make sure that we just gave it a quick shout out. I'm gonna have you on the podcast, so we were already. We're, so I don't, don't want to get too much away, uh, okay. too quick. Because I I I've talked to you offline and uh, you have a very powerful story, and so okay. uh, I don't want to give away too much of the cookies just yet <laughs> to the okay. audience. But if you guys like that share, definitely stay tuned because she will be a guest on future episodes of the podcast. But let's get back to it, Corey. So yes, you mentioned, and but, but real quick though, did you have any any comments for the young lady that just spoke? Well, I mean, uh, a fist bumps. For your work ethic, Tasha, I'm curious if you went to high school in Atlanta too, because you mentioned uh, Fox Five in Atlanta. Because, like I said, I grew up down there too. So, anytime there's a, an opportunity for an Atlanta connection, I always like to plug that. But uh, just, just mad respect. There should be more Tashas out there. I mean, uh, we gotta. We see, the thing is, it's like there's a lot of people that make excuses, and it, it's tough because. You could play that game all day, but at the end of the day, like you were just saying, like hard work, you know, work ethic doesn't lie. I mean, that's it, it is what it is. Even if everybody was trying to hold me back, I'm gonna work so damn hard that when I finally do get what I've, you know, been working for and I'm vindicated, right, for the work I've been putting in, it's just that much sweeter. It's Heck that yeah, much man. sweeter to me. I love it. I love it when, um, like recently, I came on orders with the military, and I've been in reserves with this unit for almost like five years. And uh, but I did seven years of active duty, and this is the first opportunity I've been able to really kind of show what I bring to the table. 
And one of the things that you were mentioning that you probably you, you, you probably you probably already know this, but what they saw in you was leadership. You know, even though because uh, leaders take action when and entrepreneurs take action when there's no guarantee of return on that investment. They're going to just invest in the skill sets, the development, the things that it takes to now you can bring this. All the things you talked about being a quote unquote gopher, or just all these things. That's how you develop the skills to then bring it to the market to where now my question to you is now you're mentoring people. You're teaching people yes, the sir. things that you learned. Can you speak to that? And 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 I see you smiling. Uh, the the thing that I love is is seeing the look on somebody's faces when they when it clicks. You're like, dude, you got it. And now you don't need me. I love that. Yeah. That's what I call those proud uncle moments when I have that with my clients. Um, you know, so to, just to kind of put a bow on because this this is a, an extenuation of the background after working, and also this also works off of Tasha's point too. You'll see in a minute is that after working in the production business for almost 30 years, you know, unless I wanted to go to Hollywood or New York and try to, you know, land a gig, you know, at some big studio or something, I kind of had, I kind of had my fill of that. I made a very comfortable living, um, you know, thank goodness. And, you know, what I wanted to make sure of is the biggest currency to me, LJ, is something called QTL. That's quality time left. I'm not a young man anymore. I have an I'm, I'm an I have an old man's career inside a younger man. I mean, I'm I'm not yet 50, but if I was a cop, I'd have a gold watch and a pension because I put the time in. And I wanted to know what I could do that could I could share some of this knowledge that I picked up along the way with other uh, professionals and be my own boss and create a lot of extra time to spend with my wife and my sons. Uh, and the dog and all that kind of stuff like that, because that's what's important to me is being able to wake up and have coffee with my wife, being able to dart off and go uh, work out with my 19 year old or whatever else. And I saw an opportunity in July 2018 to create like a, a sort of a mentorship, um, you know, motivating uh, business you know, it was kind of evolving and I knew I had a lot of contacts in the talent business and I saw that there was a glaring hole with how voiceover talent marketed themselves. They were very much stuck right. on how they sound and not enough about attracting attention. They don't understand how those two things aren't related. And I just started to share for free on my, uh, my social media tips on how other VO talent could um, network, grow their network and obtain new business because I was that guy on the other side of the desk reviewing talent submissions for years. So I knew all the tricks that came in yes, and I also knew how I was marketing, how I was marketing the production company. Cause you know, right. over 30 years you, you market in every single way you can think of cold calls, emails, direct mail, web banners, trade shows. I flew all over the country. I, I marketed our service every way you could think of. And I started to figure out, LJ, that people weren't buying from our production company, not so much because we were the best producers, that we had, we were the most creative, that we were the most talented. That wasn't the reason. Now, we were good, but I could certainly pick out other production companies. And I said, boy, they their work might be better than ours. I wasn't afraid to say that out loud. People came and did business and opened up their wallets and spent thousands and thousands of dollars month after month 
with our company because of the relationship that was created. Powerful. And that's, that's where I made that connection that people are going to continue to spend money with me if I put myself out there and show who I am, what I know, what I can do, how I can help. And then that just evolved into where I got so many people coming to me and say, hey, can I hire you to teach me what you know, that I was able to walk away from a very lucrative six-figure career and literally just walked away. I said, I'm, I told the owner of the company, even though I was the vice president of the company, I said, I'm, it was July, July 4th, 2018, 20, no, July 4th, 2020. Cause I started building it in the background and uh, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving away. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on your production company for you. If you want, we can work something out. It turns out it didn't work out, but I literally walked away from a, a huge sum of money to concentrate on what we're doing now. And that's, mm -hmm. I, I have a full-time income with a part-time business. And at that time, and at that time, what type of plan did you put in place for the, because there are people that are at that same point. Could you speak to that, please, sir? Well, I said, I, you know, I knew that I wasn't good enough on social media at that time. I knew that. And I wanted to grow my network. So I spent a lot of time in the trenches uh, meeting new people online. I knew I didn't have a personal brand. So I built that. You can see it behind me. Yeah, it looks uh, dope. Go, I, I like the hairstyle too. It looks good. Yeah, man. We got the same barber. That's good, man. Um, <laughs> so I knew I wanted to build that. And I said that once I did have this established, the logo and the go get it and all that, that I was going to put it out there relentlessly and unabashedly. That's my favorite word, by the way, relentlessly. I love that word. And I was relentless, 24-7. Anytime I could say, go get it. Anytime I could put my logo on something. Um, you know, anytime I could, you know, put the fist out to someone and say, keep fighting, go get it. You know, I did it over and over and over again because I wanted go get it to be ubiquitous with me. When people say, go get it, they think of me. And you know, I can't say that for every human being in the United States, but I've literally been in restaurants and I've walked in and someone's pointed at me and says, you're the go get it guy. <laughs> That's good. You know, friends, you know, make jokes, you know, ah, go get it core. But all my clients know we have something called go get it nation. It's the craziest thing. I love it. I'm blessed that we have it, but this, there is this massive amount of people that subscribe to the way you know, to the go get it gospel, to how I recommend people treat their career and their life. And that's all and, good. That's uh, all good. Let me ask you this, though. Sure. Uh, because you put that plan in place. What were some of the early conflicts you ran into uh, when you when you because you, you, you called it quits? You had your plan. Uh, what were some early hurdles and uh, how'd you how'd you overcome those? So, I mean, look, there's always the hurdle of uh, weaning off of a, a full time salary and making that back up in your business. So for me, it was really introducing a pretty new service. There wasn't anyone doing exactly what I do, how I do it. So I had to teach people, this is what I'm about. This is what you can expect if you do business with me. This is what a marketing coach does. Um, so that that was a bit, there was a learning curve. Um, the learning curve, so when you said the learning curve, was the learning curve trying to be able to convey that to your uh, your prospective clients? Is that what you mean? 
Yes. And learning how, like getting my, being able to articulate what I do well. I had to learn how to do that. I had to hone the service. The service that I have today in August of 2021 was not quite exactly the same in uh, December 2019 because you evolve, you get better, you figure that out. Um, and, and then dealing, you got haters and you got people that are, are going to, you know, criticize and say, who are you and how dare you? Oh, they'll laugh disrupt. at you. They'll laugh at you. I was, uh, when I started doing this podcast about a year ago, I was doing like live videos before I do the podcast, I was doing live videos on Facebook, just educating about financial services, just basic stuff. Right. Um, and I remember one day, I'm not going to name any names, but there was a couple guys that I've worked with or worked for, you know, and they're in their office. And they're playing my video and just giggling like little schoolgirls about it, right? And I walked in. They're like, "Oh, okay, hey, we're like, 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 you're like the go get it guy, right? Like, they're like, oh, you're the finance guy, you're the finance guy, right?" And I'm laughing because I go, "But you guys are watching me though. Keep watching, keep watching." And they looked at me like they thought that they got me. I was like, "You're not hurting my feelings at all. If I cared, you already about, won. You won. Like, if I cared, why would I put it out there publicly?" I'm past that point. You know, there's a point in business where you get pretty icy and and the naysayers and the haters, they don't even become part of your vernacular. Like, I don't even, to be completely honest, I don't think I have any haters because my my RES, my reticular activating system, what I see eliminates them from my peripherals. Like, they're not even in my, in my you know what I'm saying? So that story, I just tell it because I tell people that story. I, I, I took that nugget. I was like, I'm going to remember this. Because when somebody tells me, hey, you know, somebody so-and-so was making fun of me because I started my own business or they were this and that, I'm like, yeah, we've all gone through that, you know? But you have to be icy. You got to be cold as ice and say, look, I'm, I'm good. In my business in particular, but also in, in any entrepreneurial venture, there are always going to be bullies because they see you as competition or they see you as a threat or they, they don't approve of how you're doing business. And I'm not uh, embarrassed or ashamed to push back against those people. And I don't, I do it in a tactful way. Um, and also people, a lot of my clients, I'm a champion of the underdog. Okay. I learned right. that from a very young age from my father, you know, champion of the underdog. So I, I enjoy, I get fired up when I'm working with uh, one of my clients and they need help overcoming some obstacle, a person, an entity, a company, whatever it is that is pushing back against them. And they know that they got their bodyguard right here. I mean, and it helps that I got the physical to back it up. It never gets to that. But my point <laughs> is there, there's a certain energy. I just picture you in somebody's corner like they're like boxing, <laughs> like they're boxing. And look, you're like, man, and I was in the ring too. So I know how to throw the hands as well. But it, 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 I wish I had someone like me to help push me. Um, and I didn't have that. Now I, I have mentors of my own now that I deal with that are, you know, sky high level, like just help me level up like crazy that, understand the position that I'm in. But my, my whole thing was, is, is I wanted to be able to show, Hey, look, you, when you're a, a client of mine, you never have to make a decision about your business by yourself. I'm there to get your back. You want to bounce something off me and I'll shoot straight with you. 
that's a great idea. Let's go get it. Uh, don't do that. That's a horrible idea. You're going to be spinning in, you know, your wheels in quicksand. That honesty, that that reflection, that mirror. That's what I try to provide for my clients. I love that. And so, and listen, first of all, this has been an an incredible interview. I've been looking forward to this conversation literally all yeah all week long. I've been looking forward to talking to you, buddy, because um, you've all you've been in the brief time that I've known you. I feel like you're on the same frequency that I'm on and you've been just very motivating, very positive, uh, intense, a little intense, but I like intense. Uh, <laughs> I've been told that once or twice a little. Yeah, intense. yeah, yeah. That intensity is kind of funny, right? Um, and, and it's funny too, because right now I'm back in uniform. So I got, I got a lot of young guys that I'm working with. And these dudes, by the way, my team, I got two young airmen. They've been, probably only been in about like, military about two years. I've been in about almost 14. They're tall as hell, big guys. And I'm walking around like I'm like, yeah, y'all want to mess with Sergeant Haywood. I, I got my boys. <laughs> and, uh, but the thing is, you got backup. Yeah, but here's the thing though, mentally, right? They could be tough, right? But the things that are going, like one of my guys is struggling with something personal, and I had to talk to him. I had, hey man, listen, I got your back, bro. Like, Good. that's the kind of stuff that. That's the reason why I didn't got the military full time. Like, I wanted to stick around for the like the conversation that he and I had yesterday. I know that I am uniquely equipped to help him through what he's going through right now. And, 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 and thank you. And, and I, I texted him last night. I said, Hey, listen, I know you're having a rough time, but here's my number. I know I'm a reservist. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I need you to call me if you have, a, if you're having a rough time with this and I got your back hundred percent. And I mean that, and I'm going to follow up with him again today. Hey, look, I'm just checking in on you, making sure you're all right, man. You, you know, because one of the things that I, I found in my career is that when people are showing up late to work or they're doing little things that they don't, that's kind of like that's a symptom to probably to a deeper problem. And I've noticed as a leader, people tend to bite people's heads off. Hey, why the hell were you late for work or this or that? This is to, I'm speaking to the audience, the leaders. You need to ask people questions. Hey, man, what's going on, man? What's going on? It's, it's very out of character. Are you all right, man? Like, how's your family? You don't think because you you're not the guy to be late repeatedly throughout a week. You know what I'm saying? You ask that question. And a matter of fact, you know what? How about this? I'm taking you to lunch today. And it's on me. I need to talk to you. That's what I did this week. There you go. Paying it forward, man. Yeah. He didn't pay for shit. I was like, look, you're not paying for anything. I'm, I'm taking you to lunch. And I need to, yeah, if you don't want to tell me what's going on, that's fine. If you do, that's fine too. I'm just going to listen. I'm a talker, but I can shut the hell up. I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> right. And uh, I think I think that uh, I know I know that for a fact that that was uh, beneficial for that kid. And I think that the purpose of this podcast and all the things I'm doing is to provide positivity and, a, and an outlet for people like, look, man, if you want to start your own business, people are, holl- are, are joking, joking about you. Hey, man, I'll, I'll talk to you. And like you mentioned earlier, when people contact me, I don't have somebody that's that's that, like if you hit, if you hit my email, my personal like. Info at ljhaywood.com. I'm going to be reading those emails and get back to you. I, there's certain things that I don't like to automate. There's certain things, the connection, the relationship is really important to me. So when totally. you mentioned that earlier, I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that back up. But look, listen, real quick, I kind of got into a little bit of an emotional thing there. But Hey, man, I'm here for you, brother. Whatever. It's all good. Yeah, but that's a thing, though, right? So as we kind of wind down, first of all, thank you for doing the show. I want to tell yes, everybody sir. that's in Clubhouse. We're doing this live, so we're going to stick around for a little bit. So when the show's over, 
Just stick around on Clubhouse. We're going to talk to you guys, bring you on stage, get some key takeaways. However, where is the one place uh, that you that you, people can get in contact with you, like like, like the, the best place to uh, to follow up with you if they want to learn more, more about the coaching, anything we talk about during the podcast? Yeah, CoreyDisson.com, C-O-R-E-Y-D-I-S-S-I-N.com. All the socials are there. Pick your platform that you're comfortable with. You can connect with me there. Everything is right there. Okay. And my and my and my next thing is for the listeners, if you got value out of this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe, leave a review on Apple. It really helps with the algorithm. This thing that we all are, are talking about, we don't really understand it. Apparently, the dreaded, algorithm. the dreaded algorithm. Just leave a quick review. Just tell them, hey, listen, LJ, I like your bald head. You know, you're an idiot. Whatever you want to say. I don't just leave a comment. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on the review on Apple and uh, follow me on Spotify and everywhere else you guys can check out the podcast and share this podcast with anybody that you know is entrepreneurial minded and I like to leave my guests with the last word so as it relates to I mean LinkedIn or coaching or mentorship or anything we talk about today uh, Corey what would you like to leave our audience with my friend it's very simple very very simple when it comes to your entrepreneurial life when it comes to how you market yourself, when it comes to how you wake up every day, three words, go get it.